When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. Hello, welcome back into Seven Fifty-Five is real. It feels so good to say that producer Cam here with you. It feels like it's been so long since I've welcomed you guys into a live room edition of the podcast. We are so ecstatic that. Braves baseball and baseball in general is back in full swing as well as 755 is real two shows per week now. So happy that we're back up to that point being able to put the goods in your guys' podcast feeds twice a week. Today's episode, David answered your guys' questions in a live room on the Athletic app, responded to some of your guys' queries in the chat. 99.9% of the time, Eric's going to be on the show, but today he wasn't. He's on vacation, had some connectivity issues. He's in dad mode, husband mode, so certainly trying to fulfill those duties. So David handled things solo today and did an exceptional job, and a lot of that is because of your guys' exceptional questions, including the the long-term condition of Sean Murphy in the Braves lineup, how he's going to be utilized regularly throughout the season, as well as Ronald Acuna Jr. in the Braves' quote-unquote big three, how the offense has been firing on all cylinders to start the season. This episode, going up a little bit later than normal, we recorded this Friday afternoon. This is coming out Friday night. This is after the Braves lost to the Padres, but the Braves are still scouting hot to start the season comparatively to most teams. So I know a lot of fans are excited. We're excited as well. We can't wait to share the season with you guys. If you guys aren't already subscribed to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get the show, make sure to do so. Also, find time to follow us, subscribe to us on YouTube. 755 is real. We try to do one video stream there per week, and we have been able to answer a lot of fun YouTube questions from you guys as well. We make sure to try to send out the links for those YouTube streams through the Athletic Atlanta handle. So make sure to give that a follow as well as David and Eric's handle at D.O.B.R.I.A.N.A.T.L. and at EOF34. So make sure you're following us on all those locations, subscribing to all those locations. We're so excited that you guys are joining us for more Braves baseball this season. And without further ado, here's David with today's episode of 755 is Real. If you guys can hear me, the person that asked are they replacing Dana Brown or any news on who they will replace? No, because they're not replacing him until after the season. It made it's too late to do it right now because uh, that type of job, everybody's getting ready for the draft, and the Braves are already well into their draft preparation, so it made no sense to try to bring in somebody else right now. So they will not uh, replace him until after the season. At least that's what I was told at the time that Dana left for Houston. So, How long is the leash on Ian Anderson? I, I don't. I don't know why how that's even a, an issue. Ian Anderson's in AAA, so it's not costing the Braves anything to have him in AAA. I mean, 
there's nothing to the minimal amount of money that he's making, a relatively small amount of money he's making. He's got enough talent that you stick with him for a while. If they were paying him a lot of money, it'd be one thing, but there's that there's no reason to release the guy now, you know. So in answer to your question, there's no length on his leash. He's not in the he's not in the major league rotation or there might be. Not going to the game. No, I just covered all six games on the road trip and the homestand after getting home about uh, 11 a.m. yesterday since there are no flights out of St. Louis at night. So uh, yesterday was a 14, 6, 15-hour day. So no, I'm not working today. And the forecast is bad, by the way, and worse tomorrow. Terrible forecast tomorrow. What's the plan for Sean Murphy long-term? Can we expect him to sit every other game? Uh, Snit was... Totally noncommittal when asked about this about two days ago. So they're playing it by ear. Each series, they'll talk to the catchers, figure out a plan. Um, you can't really take any uh, – uh, can't draw any conclusions off the first week simply because they played four day games in the first six games. So that's totally atypical. Um, now that we're in the night games, you'll see – you'll get a lot better idea. Also, they play, they've played like four left-handed starters already. So uh, – so once we get into a more regular routine of night games and a lot more right-handed stars, you'll, you'll, I think you'll see more of an emergence of him catching maybe six to seven out of ten. But we'll see. I mean, they've done some things already that surprised all of us who predicted one way and they win another. So, But uh, I don't see them alternating games all year. And, yes, Travis is hitting too well to bench him. He's played every game so far at DH or, or uh, catcher. Last year – uh, Murphy caught about 30 DH about 30 games. He caught a ton of games, but he, he like second most in the majors behind Real Muto. But he also DH'd about 30. Hit under 200 as a DH. I know that's a small sample size, but it's not that small. It's like 30 games. Um, he has not DH'd yet. Maybe one. I don't think he's DH'd yet. Uh, anyway, he's uh, he's so strong behind the plate, and it, it's so much hotter here and so much more demanding to catch games in the summer here than in Oakland and, and in the AL West that I'm sure they're going to see how he responds to all that, but he's obviously a weapon and, and, and with the game, and it's just the perfect time. And you can't, you can't emphasize enough how, how fortunate or, or I don't even think it was fortunate. I think they made the move with this in mind because teams obviously knew that, uh, that, the, that base feeling was going to be bigger this year. Once the rules went in, once it was announced, the rules were going to an effect and that was announced before the trade. So. Um, it was just a very astute move bringing him in at a time when they really didn't obviously need a uh, a catcher. But that's the reason. I mean, Darno's 34. He's been banged up a lot of his career. He's only had about two or three full seasons where he didn't get hurt, and they don't want to push it, and they want to be ready for when he does uh, transition out to uh, – they want to keep Darno, by the way, after he's done catching. They want him to be an organization as coach, instructor. So we'll see how that goes, but they love the guy, and he's been huge with uh, with getting Murphy acclimated here, and been a seamless transition because uh, you know with introducing him to the pitchers, the style, the ways that the, that they do everything, the meetings. So it's just been a perfect uh, situation. I mean, most teams are, are are lucky if they've got one catcher as good as either of the Braves catchers. So it's a quite a luxury and yet they're not paying a lot of money for it i mean they're paying less for those two guys than real muto makes so yes he can hit somebody said he can hit that he only missed a home run by a couple three to four feet like on that ball to center field and uh yeah he can hit 
when we expending AAD, I think you meant extending. I mean, as a general manager, it's not like a player. There's not a threat of him walking as a free agent when his contract's up. So they're not going to let that happen. They love the guy in the organization, and they want to keep him for as long as he wants to do the job. You know, so I, I, I don't see him going anywhere. He really likes it here. I mean, unless somebody comes in and offers him twice the size contract, you know, the money, just the unbelievable amount, like the Dodgers or somebody, but they don't need a GM, obviously, right now, president of baseball operations. The Giants don't. Um, and the Braves can compete with anybody if they want to, if they want to spend the money. And uh, it's a little different spending the money for a GM because the top GMs make a lot, you know, one third with the top or less than the top pitchers make. So that's, that's one expense that the Braves will not uh, skimp on. Uh, not that they skimp on a lot of others, but that's one long-term extension that they will pay top value for if it comes to that. What's the time on Kyle Wright? He felt great after his start the other day, gave up the grand slam, but otherwise pitched pretty well uh, through 86 pitches. So the plan is for him to start uh, the 11th, which I think is what, Tuesday against the Reds. First day he's able to, he's uh, eligible to come off the IL. That's the plan. Uh, Strider was sitting 95-96 last night. It was noticeable velo dip, and it was not as effective as normal last night. Any concerns about that? No. He threw two pitches over 99 miles an hour last night. I think six over 98. Uh, people just get so enamored with the 101, 100 miles an hour. Well, learning how to pitch and being smart as he gets older, he's not going to throw 100, 101. Look what happened to Hicks with St. Louis. He was the talk of baseball for a very brief period when he was throwing 102 about every pitch over 100. Look at him now. His Tommy John, he's throwing like 96, 97 the other day when the Braves faced him. So you can't survive throwing 101 for year after year. You can't do it. And Strider doesn't need to throw 101. He's perfectly fine at 99. Was he as effective last night? No, but that wasn't because he wasn't throwing 101. That's because he was missing with a few pitches, including on that three-run homer. That had nothing to do with Velo. So I'm not worried about him. And also, it's so early. Last year, if you went back and looked at his Velo, he wasn't starting last year until June 1st. He was throwing in one-inning stance or two innings, you know, so he could air it out. So this is a little different this year, and I think he's being smart about it. His body's telling him, you know, what he needs to do, and I'm not worried about him. He's not hurt. He's not throwing 99 if he's hurt, and he's not throwing 90 pitches and 96 pitches in his first start if he's hurt. So, no, it's not a concern. <laughs> the envy and ire of men everywhere. That was funny, man. That dude's funny. I like him a lot. He's a very cool guy, too. Very a young Straight shooter, no pretense, normal dude, and uh, yeah, I like him. That's a great. That was a great hire. Let's see. Yep, look at how much Kershaw Kershaw's reinvented himself several times over, and uh, and, and that's not something that that uh, Strider needs to do right now. I'm not saying that at all. He doesn't need to reinvent himself. He's going to be a power pitcher. He's still throwing two pitches, only occasional change, but he doesn't need. I'm just saying, doesn't need to throw 101. 102 that can, if he wants to if he wants to reach back and do that occasionally yeah he's going to and as we get into the season i'm sure you'll see it but right now you know he's keeping the same velo throughout his game it's not like he's dipping to 94 in his last inning or anything so he's in great shape he's uh he's a smart guy he knows his body better than just about any pitcher i know knows exactly what he's doing and mechanics he studied the stuff when he was in rehabbing from Tommy John and perfected his mechanics. So it's so a guy his size can throw that hard 
and and stay healthy. So so far it's worked. You know, he had the he had the inner, he had the uh, oblique string last year. It had nothing to do with the arm. That happens. I mean, that happens to people. And he said he worked on his core morning off season to try to prevent that. So I mean, it's a smart guy, and it's a guy that cares a lot, and he's driven, driven to be the best. So I wouldn't worry about him. Bullpen seems like it would get a few guys at the deadline. Well, I mean, you're you're operating with two of your key guys right now. Without two of your key guys right now, um, it's way too easy to, to. It's way too early to say that uh, that Izzy's not going to or Iggy's not going to be back. I mean, it's only been you know a couple of three weeks that he had shoulder inflammation. He should he should he'll be huge when he comes back. I don't think that that's. So far, we haven't heard anything other than it's inflammation. So if he's not throwing in another week, okay, then maybe that, that's a concern. But so far, no, I think they're just being smart, being uh, conservative with him because they want him for the long haul. Last thing you want to do with a guy with shoulder inflammation at the start of the season is to bring him back a week too early and have it linger. So you just come, wait till it's completely out of there before you have him start throwing. And uh, and the case of the latest IL stint, Colin if this was August, like Colin said, he wouldn't even, they would not have IL'd him. He'd be pitching. But a combination of not having his stuff two days ago, last couple of outings, feeling a little bit more soreness than usual. I think it was a mutually agreed thing. Hey, let's just shut it down. You work on some things because he's only planning to not pitch for two or three days. That tells you something. And he's not getting an MRI. That also tells you something about the lack of severity of this injury. Um, they want him to shut it down for a couple of days, then just get back to work, work on whatever is is wrong. Just right now, he's a little off. He doesn't have the same stuff. He was a little behind in spring training. Um, it was never fully explained why he didn't get in appearances early, but he didn't. And he was a few days behind the other guys, as he says it. And I think right now he just wants to to get his to get everything together in order before he uh, resumes. But I, I wouldn't worry about him at all. So that's two guys right there that are key pieces of the bullpen. Bullpen's got a lot of depth. Unless they have injuries, I wouldn't see them adding anybody at the uh, at the deadline. But something usually happens, so we'll see. Way too early to be worried about what they're going to be adding at the deadline. That's a good problems to have <laughs> if you're if you're worried about that. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This team looks great right now. I mean, they're playing... (laughs) They're playing the best defense last night, notwithstanding. Last night was the first sloppy game they've played, and they end up winning it on a walk-off. I mean, it says something about this team, because otherwise they've been playing crisp defense. And last night it was more Kirby Yates, you know, on that terrible throw um, than anything else. But uh, 
the defense has been really impressive. From the left side, Jesus Harsey and and uh, Austin have been playing great over there. And Matt Olson, the, it looks like a gold glover again, not like he did last year when he made some kind of inexplicable missed catches and that and struggled a bit early. He's he's looked great this year over there. And obviously we've talked about Acuna ad nauseum, but he's just been terrific. Acuna's just playing superstar level on both sides of the ball. Hope Paris is getting tonight off. It would not surprise me, especially considering the wet track they're going to have and the chilly conditions by the time game starts. With back soreness, I would not surprise me if he gets a day or two off. And having said that, he'll be in the lineup watch. But no, but uh, that'll be a, that'll be one of those things they'll be cautious about and uh, play Hilliard if they need to in center tonight. Um, but again, that was one of those. You know they've they've taught these guys well. It's not like it used to be, especially with young players who would wouldn't dare speak up when they were having a little ailment, a little soreness here or there. These guys know now not to try to push through that stuff because of the long term ramifications. And a guy like him going up to Snit and saying, or the trainer and saying, "Look, my back's a little stiff, man, from hitting the wall." And uh, and then he had that stolen base, and I think it really tweaked it there after it already being stiff, being sore, because he got up slow on that stolen base. So it's just smart just to say something rather than having an IL stint and having to miss 15 games, you know, just miss a game or two or come out of one game early, and maybe some, maybe that's all. But uh, just to speak up is just so much smarter than it used to be when guys didn't dare speak up for fear of looking soft or – them questioning your desire to play if you uh, said anything about an injury like that, a pitcher or a player. <laughs> yeah, you're right. People do have to worry about something on Twitter. I get it. That's the nature of being a fan, man. I always worry about something with my Kansas Jayhawks and uh, and for this reason, right, <laughs> the one thing we weren't worried about was the coach having a heart attack and that ended up being our undoing. But yeah, there's always something. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't have a problem with fans worrying about things. It's the nature of the nature of following a team. It's why we all have jobs covering teams is that there are so many passionate fans who follow this on a daily basis. Like it's along a soap opera, which it really is. Unlike the other sports they play every day and there's always something. So it's, it's what makes baseball great following teams so much different than following a football team, you know, where the radar gun wrong, runs guns wrong at spring training. There was one very wrong one day when uh, Dodd had Dodd 95, 96. But I said it that day on Twitter. I said the radar gun was off because that's a guy, not a guy that throws 96. But he can reach back and get 95. He had one the other night, 95. But this is a guy that sits 92, 93. So his philosophy has been right where it's supposed to be. Uh, Schuster, I'm not real sure about him. He doesn't throw real hard. I mean, Schuster's not a hard thrower either. It's the slider and, and, the, and location with him is in the changeup is the important thing. So. But, yeah, there was one gun reading one day that I think got uh, probably got hopes way too high on Dodd. It had him up at 96, sitting at 95, 96. Um, and that was just a bad gun that day at, uh, at spring training. Second start expectations for Schuster. Um, I would think that I would expect him to pitch like he did after that first inning, which was perfectly fine. I mean, no, it wasn't spectacular, but it's perfectly fine after that first inning. The first inning was horrendous. It was hideous. The nerves showed, and he just got rattled, and he had a couple of bases loaded walks. He didn't do anything right. But after that, if you go back and look at it, he pitched fine. So if he pitches like that, it'd be okay. He's facing a really tough lineup. He's not facing the Nationals. That's for sure. So... It's going to be a rough ride if he, because uh, these guys are going to make him throw strikes. And then if he throws cookie over the middle, they're going to crush it. So, but uh, 
he's perfectly capable. He showed in spring training. He faced some good hitters in spring training and, and handled himself. So I think he's got the nerves out of the way. I think he'll be a lot better prepared this time and uh, and go out and, and, and pitch okay. I'm not saying he's going to go out and pitch five scoreless innings or anything, but I think he'll be okay. Uh, he's got a different personality, totally different personality than Dada. I don't know if you guys have seen interviews. If you have, you know what I'm talking about. But Schuster is a shy guy, really shy. And I think it's probably easier for a guy with Dodd's personality to not be uh, kind of awestruck or rattled. Because Dodd said he was nervous, more nervous than he'd ever been in that first inning. And it did not show at all. He's got a lot of swagger in a good way. And I think he's able to kind of conceal that and not not let things go sideways if he if if one by if one batter gets on or whatever because he, he you know he he uh he got uh he got that goalie to ground into that double play after leadoff guy gets on in that first inning so i mean and then he comes out and strikes arenado out to start the second i mean it's just that that's a different level of confidence and it probably goes back to a lot to his personality you know and he had 150 people there cheering for him, and he used that in a good way, a positive way, rather than making him nervous. It made him feel, I think, comfortable and at home, and and uh, you know, like everybody was there supporting him. So, so Schuster was in, at Washington and didn't have that kind of cheering section for him, and it was a cool weather and all that. And so we'll see. Second time out, I think we get a lot better read on. Uh, ideally, they would not have had to bring him up to do this, but you know. Already had a few things go wrong with the with pitching staff. So, all things considered, it's pretty it's pretty impressive that they are where they are right now. They've got good pitching despite some injuries, and they've got just tremendous offense and defense. I mean, their lineup is just stacked. It's stacked, and Acuna changes everything when he's healthy. I mean, he just does, man. He's just the guy is absolutely. <laughs> He's just phenomenal. He really is. And he just changes things from pitch one because the opposing pitcher cannot go out and ease into the game. It's like Charlie was telling me in the first couple of games, uh, Matt Olson said, you know, I'm not a starting pitcher, but I, I don't think that's normal to go out and see first pitch sliders. And Cunha did in the first two games. And I remember that by Charlie. And uh, and Charlie Morton. And Charlie said, yeah, that was for a long time. That was kind of a no-no. You didn't come out and throw. Uh, first pitch slider. You eased into the game, and the hitters. He goes, but the hitters did too, and these hitters don't today. And if the guy's going to be ready at pitch one to pounce on a fastball, and Acuna is kind of the epitome of that. And enough, the scouting reports have gotten around, and they know what Acuna does to a first pitch fastball if it catches the plate. He destroys it. So that's why you're seeing some first pitch sliders to him, which is just unheard of back in the, you know. Before, before now, before this current group of players, and really, it's not—it's not even a whole lot of them that do it. But Acuna is the one that, uh, you know, pitchers just have to be on top of their games from the time they come out, and that's got to be a whole different kind of pressure as a pitcher. But that first three in the order, and I wrote about it today. It's the Braves have had some really good first threes, you know, obviously with Freddie in there. Um, and then going back with Chipper, they always had a couple. They've had times where they've had two incredible guys in the first three, but I've never, I can, I've never covered a Brace team that's had a first three like this. When they're all healthy, like they are now, these guys, this is. I would put them up. Uh, I, I think it's the best first three in baseball right now. I really do. I know there's a couple of others that are right there with them, probably, but 
Acuna, Olsen, and Riley. Jesus, man, that's with Olsen hitting like he is now. You're talking about three guys fully capable of hitting 35 to 40 homers. Riley, maybe more. And all three guys hitting for uh, capable of hitting for high average. Acuna capable of stealing 40 bags. Um, I mean, and 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 all three are RBI machines too. So that's a that's tremendous. Those first three, and then it's not like it's a whole big drop off either. There's there's not like a, a an easy out like at the six and seven hole. This is a stacked lineup. When you got Orlando Arcia hitting nine for you, whoo! So they 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 give the pitching staff a, uh, like the like the relievers like mentors told me yesterday. You just feel like you know with the, with the hitters we got. We are never out of the game. So they just, even if you're down two relievers going there, knowing we just got to keep it where it is because there's a good chance the Braves are going to come back. They haven't had to do it until last night, but they did it. What was it? Uh, Matt Olson said that he amazes Matt too, how he's able to come up and step right in and pitch like that because he did it last year. When he came up from AAA, those five starts at the end of the year, those were against the Nats and the Marlins. Um, but he he came up the other night, and I really, you know, if it wasn't for last year, I would have expected him to fall on his face after the spring he had. But I just remember last year, late in the year, he showed, and that wasn't once or twice. He showed five times. I mean, I'll never forget that game at, at Washington late in the year. They had some scrappy young hitters in there. They still had a couple of hitters in there. And he threw a no-hitter until, what, the fifth inning? Maybe the sixth. I forget. But this is a it's a ballsy guy that uh, attacks hitters and completely has learned to completely trust his stuff. He doesn't have great stuff, but he's got so many pitches that are good, that are average to good. And he will throw them all, and he can throw them all for strikes. So he really keeps hitters off balance. He's kind of a different look than hitters are getting these days. You don't have any pitchers like that. So I think that go, that he works that to his advantage too. Um, but really, it's balls and uh, and not being scared at all. That's why that's why he's able to do what he's able to do at the big league level with uh, without overpowering people or having a, you know, I mean he gets movement though on that sinker. I mean he's got he got, the guy gets really good movement when he's got that pitch going. It it falls out of there. So ever write a book about the Braves? I would have thought I'd make a lot of money, but those those books generally sports books. They have a hardcore niche audience, and those people will buy them, but it's not to make enough to keep them from going to the discount bin usually within a few months. I mean, if you go to the discount bin, I would say Walden Books or whatever. There's no places like that anymore. But then when there used to be these all these huge bookstores, you go by the discount bin, and there's always like 10 sports books in there. And that would be, to me, demoralizing to spend as much time as you have to to write a good book and then walk by and see it in a discount bin. You know, and the advances on those things aren't enough to make it worth your while, uh, at least for me. I mean, I'd have to have a big advance and I'd have to be, be confident that that thing would sell a lot because I want to make money doing something. If I'm writing about if I'm writing like that and spending that time, if it ain't going to make money, I don't care if it's just good. It's out there. If I don't make money at this stage, I ain't, I ain't doing it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm too close to riding off in the sunset to spend that much time writing a book. But we'll see. I might just write one about all my experiences, period. But that'll be when I'm done. So it can be no holds barred. Burn bridges if you need to. <laughs> and it will be R-rated for sure. I'm not interested in writing a family PG book. What's feeling around Soroka? Does he need to prove he can be 
effective in AAA before he gets called back, called up, or does he just have to prove he's healthy? He pitched. He, he pitched okay the other day. He's getting stretched out, and they're not hurrying because this is really his spring training. Because he didn't. He only made you know the one start in spring training. So um, this is uh, it's positive. It's optimism. There's a lot of optimism. The guys know how hard he's worked. They all love the guy, obviously, and um, and they know how good he can be. And he's not going. He didn't forget how to pitch. So. He made some good pitches in that game we saw him play against Detroit. Just didn't have command, but the sinker was there. It just wasn't. He, he, he's just got to harness it a little bit, you know. Make two or three more starts in AAA, and they'll see where he is. They'll evaluate where he is. But they certainly are, are hoping that he will have an impact on this team this year. And and I'm not talking about down the stretch. I think it could be a little sooner. I think than Eric thinks it might be. I, I think they could get him before the All Star, well before the All Star break. You know, it could be May if they need him, and he keeps, you know, and, and, and doesn't have any kind of setbacks or anything. Which so far, no health setbacks whatsoever. After that, obviously the hamstring thing, but I'm talking about with the arm, or more importantly, with the lower leg, the Achilles. All that's knock on wood, sound. So we'll see. You know, not going to get ahead of ourselves, but we'll see. Okay, and let's take one more. I'm serious, man. DOP burns bridges. I'm serious. I would not write a book unless it could be no holds barred. I, I would I would want people to feel like they have to read it, you know? Like, oh, shit, it's got stuff in here that I never thought he'd say. <laughs> and it'll only be when I know I'm done. <laughs> when I know I'm done writing for <laughs> for an outlet or newspaper or whatever. So... When I have time, sit around and just uh, let fly. We'll see. Who do you think has been most uncomfortable with the pitch clock? I haven't really noticed anybody with the Braves struggling with it a lot. I mean, I, if you looked at last year, they didn't really have anybody. Max with runners on base, his was quite quite high uh, compared to the 15th, the 22nd. He was about 27th, if I remember correctly, with runners on base. So we'll see when he gets back and pitches a lot more with runners on base. But he's such a smart guy that I think he'll be able to adapt to it pretty quick. And uh, it would be somebody that uh, really can't think on their feet too much. Or somebody like a rookie who hasn't done it a lot. Uh, you know, They did it in the minor leagues. But I'm talking about a rookie getting nervous in a game. Say, it, maybe it affected uh, – Maybe it affected Schuster the other day, but you know he did it in AAA, but he also didn't have that many runners on base against them in AAA. So, uh, but to answer your question, I don't think it'll, it'll it's going to affect any of the Braves pitchers a lot. More the guys on other teams, but it's affecting seems to be affecting hitters more than pitchers. The hitters like Machado, who just it's just so foreign to them to 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 get in the box and stay in the box and not step out and adjust their. He tried to do that step out of the box and adjust his uh, batting gloves the other day. It's like, dude, we're not doing that anymore, man. Not even you. He's almost like he's pushing it, saying, I'm Manny Machado. I'm going to do this. They're not doing it, and they're being vigilant about it. And I think the umpires have all been told to be vigilant about it, to not let guys start setting, skirting it and, you know, and pushing it and going a second over and all that. They're telling them right now, let's get on top of it, be vigilant so that people get used to we really are doing this. And then, you know, in the postseason, that'll allow them to not really, you know, to hear and there when there's, you know, maybe one well, one second infraction or whatever. Maybe they won't call it and a game won't be decided by anything like that because they don't want that. that. Baseball knows how bad that'll look. But the way to stay on top of it is by doing it now so guys don't get 
start trying to cut corners and uh, and 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 take the extra second. All right, that's it. Thanks for all the questions. It's been great. You guys are great. We appreciate it. All right, seven fifty five is real, and I am out. Later. Mm-hmm.